magical place we could go So close your eyes and make a wish For the skies with the angriest, flappiest birds And the seas with ridiculous fish The Dutch Arcade Show is here again Hey guys, what is up and welcome to the Touch Arcade Show, episode number 498. We uh, we both got steam decked today. Got steam decked right in the face. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this week we're going to start off talking about big news in the world of gaming. Um, Valve, which had been rumored already, this rumor leaked a while back, uh, that they're working on a device, device called the Steam Pal. And nobody quite knew what that was, but a lot of people guessed it was some sort of handheld device. Whether or not it was an actual, like, game-playing machine or if it was just, like, a little device to stream, like, Steam Link or something um, was kind of the big question. And I could have seen it going either way. Yeah, but, um, I, I, I would have put my money on that being, like, um, Valve spooling up their own kind of, like, uh, GeForce Now kind of thing. Yeah. Because, like, remember... Yeah. Um, so GeForce, that's their streaming, NVIDIA streaming service, GeForce Now, right? That's what it's called? Yeah. Right, okay, yeah. 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 Um, their thing originally used to be really, really cool, and that it was like, hey, here's just your PC in the cloud. Like, install whatever yeah. you want, like any Steam game you yeah. want. Like, we don't care. Um, and then, I don't know, like maybe a year ago or something, they changed that to, like, not be just like, oh, just do whatever you want to, mm-hmm. okay, well, here's the list of games we support. Like, it's a yeah. long list, but it's not everything. Yeah. And I kind of suspected that the Steam Pal thing was like Val's reaction to that being like, okay, well, cool. We'll just make our own thing. And like, if it's on Steam, you can play it on this. Like, we don't yeah. care. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I know that GeForce now um, gotten some hot water because they added a lot of games without the game makers yeah. themselves knowing or, or whatever. And there's like rights issues. And, you know, everyone wants their cut of whatever. So, that was kind of an issue and, and they had to kind of backpedal and then come up with more of like a standardized like permission system, I guess, to, for yeah. games to be on the service. Yeah, that's tricky. Um, I could see them getting some really tricky waters with that because like, you know, yeah. some of these licensed properties very specifically license what platform they're on. And like, yeah, that really could very easily be argued is another platform. Yeah. Except yeah. If they're using stuff from another platform. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I, I I totally understand the legal drama that would right. really prevent that from happening. But well, it was the uh, I for like a month I did the trial of Shadow, which is what you were describing, like the PC in the cloud. Yeah, and um, you just log into it. You have your own desktop. You install whatever you want to it. Whatever. It's just like having your own Windows PC on on through the browser or through the app or whatever. Um, and I didn't like it. I didn't. I didn't like having to manage an entire another computer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, sure. I sort of like the more streamlined. Like GeForce now, you log in. It's like here's the games you can play. From we connected your Steam library, your, your Epic library, whatever. And these are the games that work with our stuff. Yeah. And the ones that don't, don't. And that's sort of it. Yeah. Um, I sort of like. I appreciate that. See, and I, so I actually, yeah, I, I just figured that the Steam Pal, like if it was a streaming thing, like they could solve the licensing issue by just being like, hey, here's here's the update to the steam developer yeah. agreement. Like yeah. click agree on this and your stuff's on steam pal, do nothing. And it's not, but 
you can't do anything else on steam until you agree to this. So, right. Right. Yeah, no, that would have been, maybe that's down the line. Um, for now. So what they did end up unveiling yesterday, it's called the steam deck. Dumb name. I like steam pal a lot better. Yeah. (laughs) Steam pal sounds like your buddy. Uh, steam deck just sounds weird. Um, but, uh, it's a, it's a little handheld kind of a little bit bigger than a switch and it's a full PC, um, that, uh, has an AMD processor, a custom AMD processor. It's pretty beefy. Um, screen wise, it's not massively high resolution or anything like that, but when you, it's a seven inch screen. So when you get down that small, it doesn't really matter. You don't need like a 4k screen at that size. Um, and you're at that point, you're just taxing the hardware for no good reason. So I was surprised I it didn't it, go like 1080p just to be able to say like, you yeah. got 1080p. So the win max that I have is, uh, um, how big is this screen? I think it's eight inch or something like that, but, um, it's 1200 by 800. So it's in the same realm. I think steam's 1280 by 800. And so, yeah. um, it's not the best screen in the world, but it's like, honestly, when you're playing on a handheld like that, you don't notice like it would be cool to have it be higher, more higher resolution, yeah. but I'd also rather have my games play better if I had to make the trade. Um, and so anyway, uh, yeah, I don't know. This thing is um, competitively priced, but also not the lowest skew. There's three different skews. The lowest skew is three ninety nine which is incredible price for a full PC in a handheld form. Yeah. It's, that's um, very comparable to these like different Chinese ones, like the, the GPT yep. win and stuff like that, except like where those differentiate is like, they're very much these kind of like, I don't, not necessarily homebrew, you know, cause obviously they're like, you know, a piece of electronics that you know, a real company put together, but mm-hmm. it all kind of feels very hacky to me. That, that's why I've never bought one. Cause it's like, yeah, you can tell it's like, this is uh, 10 pounds of shit in a five pound bag. And we're doing stuff that, you know, these things were never designed to do. And like, it just kind of is not a great experience because of that versus this is from the ground up being like, Hey, this is a game console that plays steam. Well, it's, it's, it's tough too, because these companies like GPD or there's a few others out there now that are making them are so tiny and they rely on like, um, you know, uh, components that are just available off the shelf and stuff like that, because they can't just put in an order because they want to sell 10,000 little Mm -hmm. handhelds. That's peanuts to anybody else. So they can't get screens made specifically for it or any of the other parts or anything like that. So you have to sort of cobble things together by what's out there. Yeah. And, um, that makes things really difficult too. And then when you're someone like steam, you're like, let me call up Shenzhen, all the people we know to make us any hardware we want at right. any quantities we right, want right, because right, we're yeah. Valve. Right. So it's like a, a whole different ball game. And, um, but yeah, so price wise, like hitting the $400 mark is pretty nuts because there's no other, a, a whole handheld PC that's at that price point. Cause this GPD like, wins start at like 500 bucks, right? For a decent one. No, the, the win maxes are like eight. Oh, no and, shit. uh, go up depending on, um, you can get like bigger, SSDs, I think, or something like that. Mine was, I bought mine through Indiegogo for seven. And um, that was like the early bird price or whatever. But then um, they routinely, if you want to buy it through Amazon and not deal with like buying something from China or whatever, it's like over a grand or, or whatever. And all the other ones are similarly priced um, in that 800 to like 1200 range. And uh, I mean, that's a shit ton of money to drop on a little handheld game player, yeah, yeah. although they are full PCs. So, I mean, you can do a lot more with them. But anyway, um, so hitting $400 is like 
that's like uh, nobody can, you know, compete with that. No, no, no one else making these sorts of things can compete with that price point. But um, that price point is also sort of a red herring because uh, nobody wants that model. Yeah, it's like the starter iPhone, right? Like, like who wants a fucking iPhone with 16 gigs? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Apple's been doing this for years where they're like opening ones like, yeah, what, you can, you 32 gigs isn't enough to have a iPad? Like, yeah. no, not at all. So like 64 gigs is the base model. And even though that's like woefully low and you wouldn't even be able to put a lot of games on there, like GTA's 90 gigs, Call of Duty, you know, whatever. Yeah. You can even fit like one game on I there. Mean, conceivably, um, you could have it on a micro SD card, but the performance would be too awful. That's, yeah, you do not, yeah, you wouldn't want to do that. So... But also that low um, memory one is um, it uses e what's it called e m m two whatever the old style of, yeah, not the of good, like connector not the good shit yeah not NVMe so not only is it like woefully inadequate amount of space but the stuff you're gonna load is gonna load for like two or three or four times as long as it would to what we're all used to with like normal SSD speeds nowadays and so it's like. I don't know that that whole thing is such a compromise just to hit that price point just to have because all the headlines everywhere were like, oh, four hundred dollar handheld gaming PC or whatever. But like in reality, do you really want that one? And you can't upgrade the internal memory or anything. So it's like, do you really want to be stuck with this thing once you realize you can't even like download GTA on it or whatever? So um, I guess it depends what you want to use with it, though. I mean, like if you just want like the god of emulation machines to be able to play like you know, use the dolphin emulator for all the Nintendo stuff. Yeah. And like, that would That's be totally killer. Fair. You know? and, and stuff like that relies way less on like loading speeds and stuff like that. And yeah. so, yeah, if, for like a killer, probably all the way up through PS2 and into PS3 territory uh, and, and some um, switch and stuff too, should be able to do all that stuff super fine. And the 64 gigs and the, the expandable SD card, um, you'd probably be okay with that. And 400 yeah. bucks, that's, not yeah, or, a bad or price at all for something like that. Or if you're just one of these people that just like really loves like just wacky indie games, you know, like that, mm-hmm. that you'd be able to fit a million of those on. Yeah. On the small one. But I still kind of think that um, for who this is targeted towards like hardcore steam PC players and stuff like that, that model is almost useless. And so at that point you're going to want to go to one for one of the other two, which include normal NVMe SSDs. Um, the next model's up, is 256 gigabytes, which is still kind of light, but you know, does the trick. And that's, I think was 520. And then, um, the, uh, 512 gig, which I still think is not enough. I think you need a terabyte at least, but so 512 gig is the max you can get. And that's 650. And then yeah. that puts it more in the same realm of like a win max. Um, cause the win max comes with a 512, but you can upgrade it. And like, I bought a two terabyte for mine. And it's plenty of storage and other people have gone four and eight and whatever. So, I mean, being able to upgrade that is a big deal too. And the fact that you can't in this, at least they say you can't, I'm sure once people get these in their hands, they're going to figure out all sorts of things you can do with it. Yeah. But, um, so, yeah, I don't know. I feel like the 400 price point is just kind of like a, to get to that price point so it can be in the headlines. But the real starting price point is 530 for that 256. Um, and then realistically, if you really want to have a lot of games with you and stuff, um, you, the 512, which is 650. And so that's, you know, still 
well-priced for what it is. Yeah, I'm, but, I'm curious what the split is going to actually end up being between like who got what on this because yeah. you, know, you have to consider too, we're in a very strange time with electronics and that like if you're into PC gaming, like if today you decided like, man, you know, I want to get into PC gaming like forever. Um, you know, I, I want to put together a computer. <laughs> yeah, dude, you'd yeah. be looking at like, okay, if you want like a reasonably new GPU, that's, that's 1500 bucks. Yeah, right. You know, just for your fucking video card. So it's true. for that amount of money, you can get like, you know, the digital PS5, the, the better Xbox Series X, yeah. and the top end, this thing, and have three platforms you can play games on for the cost of like one component right. for your computer. So through that yeah, lens, like true. the $650 one, like seems like an insane value. Yeah. And, and also, um, something always I feel like gets left out in these comparisons is um, there's a lot of really good gaming laptops now too. And so very capable uh, gaming laptops that are all in this sort of realm and sometimes cheaper. So it's like, if you really were like, I want PC games, I want it on the go, but I don't need to have built in controllers into the thing. Um, I just need a laptop that's portable and I can carry a controller with me. You can get a setup going really good for like this same price. So, but I think for me, Having it built in and having it be one thing all contained, that's what really made me a big Switch fan. You know what I mean? Is right. popping up on the couch and, and playing Switch and not having it be a big deal. Like, I don't want to sit down at a table and put a laptop out and get my controller out and do all that stuff. Um, I might as well play, you know, a console at that point or whatever. So, yeah. I don't know. Different strokes for everybody. But um, so, anyway, the Steam Deck is really cool. Seems like it'll be really cool. I'm not totally sold on the design yet. I think the buttons and the um, D-pad are in really awkward positions. And then that was because they wanted to put um, two touchpads down below where normally you would see the buttons in the D-pad on a thing like this. Um, instead, there's two little thumb trackpad things, which is kind of like a uh, call to their Steam controller, yeah. which had those wacky uh, touch surfaces. Um, kind of cool, like... Uh, I'm trusting Valve that they tested all this stuff. They've tried it. They've used it. They know that the ergonomics are fine or whatever. Oh, yeah. They know that these are, you know what I mean? Well, but, like, um, particularly with like it, the rapid prototyping you can do with 3D, 3D printer and stuff, like none of this was hypothetical, yeah. you know, like they all held this right. in their hands and were like, okay, cool. Like this is yeah. really good. And, and I remember I, having similar thoughts when the um, 2DS, that wedge version came out. Mm-hmm. And it was like, what is this stupid, like, wedge of cheese looking thing? Like, whatever. But it turns out that that's, like, the most comfortable 3DS out of all of them. Well, they're, you know they're also I mean? basically it's priceless now if you can find one. So Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so that was my bad. I should have trusted Nintendo knew what the hell they were doing when they, did, you know, designed that very ugly wedge-shaped thing. But, um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm trusting that it's going to be okay. But for me, initially, just seeing how close to the edges the D-pad and buttons were um, looks sketch. But maybe it's okay. And then um, the uh, the t- little touchpad things are super interesting to me, too. Because ta- listening to the developer interviews, like IGN basically got the scoop on all this stuff and got to interview all the people and, and Gabe and, and, and everyone. So listening to them talk about it, they're like, oh, the touchpads are awesome. They work once you get used to it, it works just like a mouse. And they also developed like a special, like two thumb touch, uh, virtual keyboard type thing. And so they're like, you mm-hmm. can actually like type pretty well just using your two thumbs and the touch pads, which I thought that's pretty crazy too. But it kind of makes sense when you think about 
touch typing on a phone or something like that. We've all gotten pretty fast at typing with two thumbs or whatever. And yeah. so they can kind of approximate that with the two split touchpads like that. Then that's pretty cool. Um, and then another interesting point about the hardware is that the thumbsticks themselves on the top are capacitive touch and can tell when your thumbs are on them. And I'm like, what's that for? Um, so I don't know. I've never seen that done before. That's kind of interesting to me. What's that going to be used for? Um, so I don't know. We'll see. Some interesting stuff going on with the hardware. And then there's also a set of four back paddles, which I think is starting to become a normal thing yeah. um, with things like the Elite controller and stuff. So anywho, um, yeah, I the guess thing looks neat. What, what I'm very curious of with this is um, does um, – so, so right now there's undeniably this big ecosystem of indie Steam to Switch ports, right? I mean like yeah. – God, like the amount of dumbass games I bought on my Switch for like 20 bucks that I already own on Same. Steam that I Same. got, you know, in like a yeah. Humble Bundle or, you know, right. like whatever, but never played it because they were on PC – comes out on switch for 20 bucks i I buy it and play it because i want to play it like on the go or sitting on my couch like watching tv or yeah whatever else right so if this thing takes off like does the does the steam to switch port uh ecosystem still remain as strong as it was before or is that need now satisfied with this hardware you know i think it really depends because um I know that there's a lot of developers that have put their games on Switch and they're games that were already developed and stuff like that. And so a lot of the cost is already sunk into creating the game in yeah. the first no, place. And so sure, the extra yeah. cost of porting it isn't too crazy. And that I've seen it, it, you know, get a really good return on this Switch sales. Um, I think that this thing's not going to sell as many Switches as are out there, right? right like right. the Switch is still the mainstream thing. And so I think it still makes sense in a lot of ways for people to be like, yeah, we'll still port it to the Switch. But this removes some of that, at least. And, yeah. um, you know, some of uh, a lot of people already own so many games on Steam anyway that you spring for this thing a little extra than you would for a Switch and you more than make up for it than what you would have spent rebuying all the games on Switch or whatever. That's been a big problem with me where it's like, yeah, I want this on Switch, but I already own it. It's like hard to justify. Mm-hmm. Um and so when you plug this thing in and it's all of a sudden like, here's all the games you already own, that's a big deal. So I don't know. We'll see. That's an interesting point because I think it will make a dent into it. But I also think your average Switch person, like the people that make up the bulk of like the however 100 million of these things they've sold or whatever, um, is like not something this, this thing's going to yeah, be on the radar no, or they don't even have a Steam library or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so we'll see. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I think this thing's cool. I think it's good. A big company is doing something like this because all the small players have been, like I said, kind of like hacking things together. And then a few years ago, Dell came out with, um, a prototype. Wow. What was their stupid thing called? Um, God, I can't remember the name of it right now, but it's, they came out with like the, um, basically a giant switch that played PC games. And it was just a prototype thing that showed at CES and it never became anything, but everyone was always like, damn, if Dell gets involved, like that's a major player. Um, and then there's one of these things called the one X player, which is actually partially backed by Tencent, which is, that's a pretty big player too. It was so, the, the UFO, the UFO, the UFO you. and the Nvidia shield portable are both pretty kind of similar yeah. attempts at this right. kind of thing. 
Yeah, exactly. The so, UFO actually looks a lot like what the Steam um, thing ended up, the Steam Deck ended up looking like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I don't know. It's it's interesting to see big bigger companies try to take notice. I think this is all driven by the popularity of the Switch. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is a space that has had a very niche audience for a long time, a number of years, well before there was a Switch. So. Um, it's kind of interesting to see all this stuff go mainstream or whatever, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think this thing's cool. So they, so they announced it yesterday and then, or was it yesterday or Wednesday? And then pre-orders went, it was just yesterday, huh? That's weird. I mean, I Um, like how fast this was because like it gave like no time for anyone to like get it. I mean, cause it seems like when, uh, you know, stuff gets announced, it's like you start this like rat race of like think pieces and Mm -hmm. bad takes and like all this other dumb shit. Right. Whereas, no yeah, you know, Valve was like, oh, here, IGN, here's this killer scoop on all this shit we're doing. By the way, yeah. you can pre-order it in 18 hours. Yeah, yeah. No, I like that, too. Um, so the pre-orders open today, 10 a.m., my time, Pacific time. And um, what I'm curious of... was a shit show. Oh, yeah, was, <laughs> complete shit show. Uh, yeah, that's not... That's doing a disservice to shit shows, because it was worse than that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I feel like I haven't been this annoyed with trying to pre-order something for years because it's always been the iPhone, right? Yeah. And then like Apple kind of figured that whole thing out. And for the last several years, maybe five or six, it's been smooth sailing when you want a new iPhone. It's like, cool. You know, very, very rarely it's like the store won't load or something, but like, you know, usually it's like, cool. I very easily got the thing yeah. I wanted. I'm done. I can rest assured it's coming. And that's that. Well, the uh, Apple did a, a lot uh, to make that smoother. I mean, like, remember when you used yeah. to have to like, enter in all of your shit at like, you know, four in the morning or whatever. And like, (laughs) and what would always break was the connection between Apple to like your cellular carrier to like verify that you you have a a AT&T account or whatever. Yeah. So just be able to like do that in like the two week window leading up to the iPhone launch and just like wake up in the morning and push the button, like made all the difference in the world. Yeah. But yeah, I couldn't believe this. I mean, because so people posted on Twitter, they figured out that way to like kind of figure out how many pre-orders they've gotten and yeah, in the United yeah. States, like at least the top end version, I don't know about the smaller ones. I mean, I, presumably they'd be in line, but, um, yeah. you know, when we were talking about earlier, they had like just basically gotten to like 60,000 pre-orders, yeah. which you would think would be like enough for steam to be able to handle. Like that seems like kind of a small number of transactions for them to be processing, right. To like bring steam to its knees. You would think so. Um, yeah, I don't know, but I guess everyone trying to buy something all, that many people all at the same time. But I mean, it took me almost an hour to actually get mine to go through, and some people even after after that first hour that they were live were still trying and still getting failures. And so, um, I'm kind of surprised that this happened, but kind of not because um, you know how often does Steam do something like this where? Yeah they open up a pre-order and expect tens of thousands of people all at once to be well, online all at the same time. Yeah. And the other kind of interesting, interesting thing to me about this is I'll be very curious to see how many units actually end up selling. Right. Because, yeah. um, a $5 deposit is, I don't know yeah. if it's refundable or non-refundable and who gives a fuck for five bucks. Like if right. you're remotely interested in this thing, based on what you saw over the last 24 hours, like you're probably just going to throw yeah. five bucks at it. And yeah. then you can just decide later if you want to buy it. Like, I think that's what most people have done, um, yeah. which is very similar to like what Tesla has done with the Cybertruck because like, yeah. um, 
you can go on tesla.com right now and you know like quote unquote like order a cyber truck and it costs you 100 bucks which is yeah. refundable like at nothing. any time and yeah. anything else so it's like basically meaningless to take money or anything yeah. but but what that is allowed is for tesla to be like oh we've got a million people wanting to buy a cyber truck that we you know, a million people that have put a paid deposit down on a cyber truck which sounds yeah. really good but it's like well yeah. is it though because like any of those people at any time can just log into their account and just click cancel cancel yeah yeah you know? yeah that's sort of like uh i well so i i like a couple things that valve did with this in an effort to curb like the scalpiness of it because scalpers have been a huge problem for new tech devices oh huge especially yeah. in the last year yeah and um and so their sort of requirements were that you need to have a steam account you buy it through steam on your steam account there's a limit one per steam account um and then your your account has to have bought something on the steam store prior to june of this year and so i thought that was really smart because it uh that means you can't just make a bunch of Steam accounts with a bunch of different emails and like buy a bunch of them or whatever. Yeah. Like they have to be existing Steam accounts. And I know a few people out there were like have a, like a couple Steam accounts for whatever reason or, or whatever. And so maybe they were able to get two or something. But um, by and large, it's not like a bot can just hop in and buy a thousand of them or whatever. So that I thought was really cool. But um, I kind of wish they would have taken it one step farther, though, and, and it would have been like and the steam account that you buy this on is like locked onto this thing for 90 days or something like that you know yeah yeah i that would have been fair too um yeah but at least they're trying something and i thought it was is a was a pretty clever sort of couple of ideas to try and curb this sort of thing and then yeah. um but the five dollar thing i thought that's like a meaningless amount of money for an actual pre-order and um you know, I would have. I, I think it would have been a lot better if it was like a hundred bucks, right? Because then it's like that's a chunk of the total price. Yeah, and, and you, you're filtering out a lot of the tire kickers. Then you know. Yeah, exactly. Because I know a million people were like, "Yeah, the thing seems pretty cool," and I don't know if I really want one or not. But I've got six months to figure yeah, it out, or whatever. Five I've got months, six so. months to figure out whether or not I'm going to spend a five dollar foot long. Yeah, you know, exactly. Um, I think if you would have bumped it up to more like a hundred, it would have gotten a lot more serious people and, and filtered out sort of the, like you said, the tire kickers. So whatever I'm hoping my, this link doesn't work anymore. That kind of shows you your place in line. But the last I checked, I was 51,000 something in line, which is annoying because they're going to be shipping them out in the order that they were pre-ordered. And I was, uh, right there 10 AM on the dot. Yeah, yeah, Yeah you know, watch the button come to life for pre-ordering and immediately had one in my cart and stuff. And then just everything went to hell trying to get it, get it paid for. Well, the crazy thing um, is like when they started locking people's accounts from purchasing anything, dude, that happened. Yeah. That happened to both of us. Yeah. I don't know how I got through because like I got that same error where it was like, uh, you know, you've attempted to buy too many things at once. Like, please come back later Uh, or whatever it said, you know, that basically telling you like, fuck off, you can't, you know, you need to cool down. Which I think is a weird, I guess that's also a bot prevention thing, because I guess bots redeem keys in mass or something like that. Oh, I can but, only uh, imagine the amount of schemes and scams that Valve has needed yeah, to deal with on Steam. I mean, that's fair. But yeah, it was super annoying because it's like I haven't bought a lot too many things in the last hour. I've been trying to buy this one yeah. thing for the last hour and it never went through. So why are you punishing me for that? Um, but yeah, I've... Uh, I run into that problem um, 
when the game awards happens and you get a bunch of steam keys for like all the nominated games or whatever, and you go through and you start doing them. And I think once you've done like 10 or something like that, it's like, Hey, you need to cool it. You've redeemed too many keys or something mm-hmm. like that. I'm like, cares, man. But, um, yeah, that didn't even occur to me. What I had to actually end up doing, I think this might've, so I don't know if the queue system would have kept my place in line based on when it was put in my cart. Cause I had the same item in my cart the whole time. Right. And then things weren't going through. I have it all hooked into my P- PayPal to be all automatic and stuff. And, um, that part wasn't working. And so I went to my account and I added five bucks to my steam wallet. Cause I was like, maybe it would be easier if they don't have to go to an outside payment authorization or whatever, yeah. which worked. And I was able to add the five bucks to my steam account. And th- but that cleared my cart. And so that original one I had in my cart, I had to add a new one to the cart. Oh, and then it, I, I still yeah. aired out for a while, but it eventually did go through and it used the Steam wallet $5 and not my PayPal. So um, I'm like, damn, did I just screw myself because that one that was in the cart was like holding a queue number? Or was it going to be based on when the transaction completed? I and think it didn't it's based either way. I think it's based on when the transaction completed because like that link I would that you sent so. me when, when that still worked showed me yeah. the time that my reservation was made and it was basically the same, the, t- the checkout time because like you, okay. I had one in my cart at, you know, like 10 yeah. o'clock on the fucking dot. It would make more sense for it to be when the actual co- transaction completed, but I still was sort of like annoyed, yeah. but well, whatever. Yeah. See, I did the steam wallet thing ahead of time because I was like, I was like, I, that, that was my thinking, like where the breakdown was going to be is in the actual credit card processing yeah. stuff. So I was yeah. like, let me just throw 20 yeah. bucks into my steam wallet Right, right, and just right. have money there and yeah. then presumably be able to check out really quick because you're basically just like buying it with the credit, you know. But that wasn't totally the case. <laughs> yeah, no, it was not. It still was locking up. But uh, but I don't yeah, know if I, I'm in the initial batch, though, because like I have friends of mine that when they go to the, um, you know, the actual like Steam Deck page, it tells it shows yeah. like, you know, shipping Q1 or Q2 yeah. or whatever. I don't see that. So I don't know if I'm like, if oh, I really? made it in the initial batch or... I'm showing mine right now, and it says it has the button for canceling reservation, um, and it says my expected availability is Q2 of 2022. Yeah, see, and so a so lot I, of people were in Q1 of 2020 or Q4 or Q1 2022. Yeah, see, I don't even have an expected availability, which I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. If you go to your account page and your account, your purchase history, does it show? How do I do in that? your purchase history? Account details. Uh, view purchase history. Uh, yeah, I mean, I definitely have the Steam Deck deposit five dollars out of my yeah. wallet. That's weird. Um, because yeah, it shows for me, but I don't know. The whole thing is like so unreliable. <laughs> so who knows what's who knows what's real and what's not. But I am banking on a lot of people, um, just being the just in case reservers that don't actually end up buying one. Yeah. And that. I, I'm not going to be waiting a year for this thing, but it really wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me if it's like all of a sudden, you know, December comes around. It's like, Oh, well, guess what? Very few people actually ended up buying this, you know, because right. like, I think it's really easy now when you're sitting around, you know, like months out from it to be like, yeah, five bucks, whatever. But like yeah. when, you know, it's like December rolls around, it's like Christmas time and it's like, you're spending money on Christmas yeah. gifts and shit. And it's like, Oh, hey, by the way, you owe us $645. Do you still want this <laughs> right. thing? Like, a lot of people are going to say no. Mm, yeah. 
I kind of think so too. I kind of hope so. Seems like a fuck up on Val's part because like if you had that money like locked in now, like you wouldn't have to worry right. about any of that, right? Like yeah. and you would know exactly how many units you need to order because like right. I think the $5 thing is kind of meaningless as far as like gathering information with how many of these they even need to like get manufactured. Yeah, are you going to make all your calls and get 50,000 in the works and then you know, not need that many yeah. and then what, you know what well, I mean? Well, that's, that's, what's going to be super annoying is if they like, uh, manufacture like way too many of them and are sitting on them and like start doing clearance sales where you could have gotten yeah. like the $650 <laughs> one for like 300 bucks or whatever. Like, like the valve controllers were selling for like a dollar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like the, the, the steam controllers the steam were box. like, I think they even gave them away for free at some point. Yeah, they were. Yeah. Um, and the, Oh no, I think it was you get the steam the valve controller and the steam link for five bucks, I think was the which Yeah, it was something ridiculous. I think all you paid was shipping even. Like it was just yeah. I don't remember, but we just want to get rid of these things was the, the yeah. bottom line. Yeah, like we're um, tired of maintaining inventory and storing these. Yeah. Please anyone just take them sale. I mean, they don't have a great hardware track record, so no. this is definitely a very sketch potential purchase on both our parts but the the other thing that um, was kind of interesting to me is that like the announcement really didn't include any kind of like game support really they just like yeah keep saying like hey you know we've got this this thing called photon it's this compatibility layer that allows windows games to run on you know this the steam uh yeah proton rather the steam uh os stuff so you know don't worry about it like stuff just works which you know fair you can go to that proton db dot com website and yeah. see like the the games that they consider you know have been like whitelisted which you know work yeah very well on it are i mean there's a ton like basically all the right most of the big games right but it's just i don't know this is the first time i've ever seen like a hardware platform launched where they're not like and here's the dozen games that are going to be really cool on it well their uh line has basically been like your whole Steam library works, and that's yeah. it. And I'm yeah. like, there's no way that's true. Like, your entire Steam library yeah. works on this thing, but, you know, they probably know better than I do. But um, that's one of the things that attracts me to this as opposed to my WinMax um, is that uh, – so the WinMax I love. I love it to death, but it is just a Windows 10 laptop. Nothing more, nothing less. You know what I mean? So you really have to set it all up how you want it to make it be more like a game machine. And, um, with the steam deck, they have, um, their own steam OS, which is something mm-hmm. they use in big picture mode. I think is steam OS or whatever. And, and, yeah, they, uh, I think the steam but box thing, like the, the console that, they yeah, tried yeah. to make was like the version 1.0 of steam OS. Yeah. And so, um, they have a special version that they've made just for this, just for handheld use. And if you look at some of the videos and stuff, um, it's very similar to like scrolling through a Nintendo Switch or whatever. It's like, you know, made for the tiny screen yeah. and it's made for a handheld and stuff like that. Um, and I really appreciate that sort of thing because that sort of layer of streamlining is so helpful compared to like, here's a Windows, do whatever you want to do. You yeah. got to know how to do everything. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, but um, which is something that's been kind of a turnoff with using the WinMax. When you get things set up and working great, it's great. But sometimes, and the Switch is sort of proof of this, it's nice to just turn something on and have a bunch of games there yeah. to play Push and there's no fuss and right yeah and so this seems like they're trying to go for that however they're really um adamant at pointing out that this is actually just a handheld pc and you can 
load anything on it, you'd load onto a normal PC. Oh, yeah. Um, no, I love that part of the announcement because, like, particularly in this world where, you know, like, Google's facing antitrust legislation like Apple's in hot water and, yeah. like, all this crap going on with the Epic Game Store, Val's just like, yeah, you know, yeah. it runs SteamOS. I mean, if you guess if you want to fuck with it and install their stuff, cool, but, like, yeah. you know, do what you want. Yeah, you can tell they don't want to outright be like, yeah, load the Epic Game Store on there. Who cares? Like, yeah. you know, or any of that stuff, but... They are basically like, it's a PC. Whatever you can do with a PC, you can do with this. But, you know, we've made this really good, yeah. like, interface for it that I think most people will use and stick with. And since I think the bulk of everyone's game libraries are through Steam, it shouldn't be really an issue. You, There's not, I mean, there's probably some things you'll want to go outside of it for and then install some weird thing just because, you know, you have a game on GOG or something like that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. by and large, I feel like, even if it only was locked into Steam, I'd still be happy with this thing because right. I got plenty of stuff on Steam. So I think that's kind of cool that um, you have that ability. And then obviously there will be people out there that are just coming up with all sorts of crazy stuff you can load onto your Steam deck and, and whatever. Yeah. Um, now, I'm sure that someone is going to like do a fork of like uh, RetroArch that is like specifically yeah. made for this that you can just buy on Steam totally. for a couple bucks or whatever. That, totally. I mean, it's going to be really cool. Yeah, and that's another benefit of having a big company come out with something like this. Because there's not a lot of people that are like, well, there's 5,000 WinMax users. I'm going to make a special version of something mm -hmm. for that or whatever. It's not really something no, that happens. No, so. I mean, that's what's going to be really cool. Like, with this being, like, a dedicated hardware spec, like, you know, games will mm -hmm. just have, like, the performance profile for the Steam Deck, which... Yeah. Like, to me, that that was, like, one of the big reasons why I never really liked getting... The idea of getting into, the like, the GPD Win world was, like... yeah you know, you're going to need to noodle with so many fucking settings on everything. There's a you lot know? of noodling. Yeah. Versus just being like, uh, oh yeah, okay, cool. This is... Many people deck. argue the noodling is the point of those <laughs> devices. <laughs> which, it's the journey. That's fair. It's the journey, not yeah. the destination, right? Well, I, I've had my WinMax since September of last year. So uh, almost a year now. And um, I'm not done getting it set up. You know what I mean? Like I still have a ton of stuff I want to do. Like I can hop in and play games on it fine or whatever. But like my ideal dream of being able to just flip the thing open and have it pop right into play night and have all my PC games or whatever. Like it's not there yet. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if I'll ever get around to getting it there. Um, and another thing I want to know about the steam deck is um, how loud it is because that's a big reason. That's a big thing that prevents me from using my WinMax a lot. Cause um, like the switch is cool man i played hundreds of hours of games on the switch while you know my wife's watching tv and mm -hmm. it's not a big deal i can be there at the same time and play games that was like a big revelation for me in the same way that like mobile gaming back in the day was like a revelation of like oh cool i can still game because it's on my phone yeah um and it's easy that was like the switch but hey you can still game like bigger games um and so I can sort of do that with WinMax, but this thing's fans fire up so quickly and they're so loud. Like hair dryer mode like, on your MacBook? Yeah, dude, I can't. Yeah. It, it's, you can't. It's too distracting. It's that loud. And you can turn the fans off, but then you're like, am I going to damage something? Because things are getting right. hot. Yeah. And um, even if you're playing like some lightweight stuff, having everything be on Windows 10, Windows 10 will just fire up your fans for no stupid reason whatsoever. And so it's like, I just like I don't play it as much as I thought I would because of that noise mm. factor, which I think yeah, is yeah. dumb. Um, huh. And so I'm really hoping the the Steam Deck is it looks very cooling, looks very similar to the Switch, and the Switch never gets too loud. But um, I mean, you never know with these things. Like running a full 
CPU inside there and stuff, like things get hot. So yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that that'll be kind of the benefit of like actually having like custom hardware is you could design the whole yeah, thing I with like so. a thermal envelope in mind and everything. Because yeah. that's exactly the issue that GPD Wind runs into with off the shelf components, right? Is yeah. they're shoving everything and it's like a tuna can basically and are like, well, fuck, we just need really loud yeah. fans now. Yeah. Well, to to their credit, uh, the Max is like a crazy uh, uh, like engineering accomplishment for considering what it does. Yeah. And like similar handhelds and tiny little laptop top style like this or whatever get like blazing hot. Their cooling sucks. Like their cooling is actually very good, even if it is loud. And it's super impressive that they can cool it as well as they can. Yeah. Um, Because they designed like their own heat sinks and fan system and stuff like that. So I think that's cool. But it's just loud. So um, I'd like something that's a little more discreet, something that's more along the lines of a switch, but with PC games. That seems to be what this is. So. so one thing that I'm curious with this is are games going to have uh, multiplayer that's segregated between the different platforms now? Because like um, on like Warzone and stuff like that, if you're playing with you can cross play with PC people. But in doing that, you're getting matched with other PC people. And like, yeah, there's just a night and day difference between like what you can do with a keyboard and mouse versus what you can do with a yep. controller. You know, you have a lot of people argue, yep. oh, I'm just as good with a controller as I am with a keyboard and mouse. It's like, okay, sure. But like, you can just move so much faster with the keyboard yep. and mouse and stuff that like, right. you're kind of at a disadvantage. And I, and I yep. wonder if how that's all going to play out with this or if it's just going to be like, uh, yeah. it is what it is. Like if you want to play Counter-Strike on it, that's fine. But you know, I don't think there's going to be a big, um, differentiation differentiator or whatever because um then you have to have the game companies build that into their game to specifically be this guy's playing on a steam deck and the user base to be able to support matchmaking with like just those people and stuff which yeah yeah but nowadays too though like with pc games like controller support is kind of a given and x inputs like a very normal thing so like i think a lot of games already will know who's a controller player yeah. and who's not. Yeah, fair enough. Um, and so maybe that you'll just get lumped into with the controller player pool or whatever. But um, I don't know. It's a, I'm curious to see how this all shakes out. It sounds like it's going to be a while <laughs> before we yeah. see anything. And I'll be really surprised if these things actually do start shipping in um, December or not. But uh, for me, Q2 of next year, I guess I'll see you in a year. Yeah, we'll see kind of a bummer um but anyway the steam deck pretty exciting stuff um what else do we have to talk about today should we talk about some mobile game things sure i feel like i had something else something else i was gonna say but did maybe you see not. the um the trailer for uh nick all nick brawler that oh, yeah uh, i wanted to pimp i wanted to pimp that yeah um, it's um very surprising the response to that so um dude you kind of went viral I know. So my, my company game is making, uh, they released their trailer for Nickelodeon all-star brawl. Uh, what yesterday, day before or something like that. Yeah. 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 And, um, which is basically just, you know, like, uh, smash brothers, but Nickelodeon, you know, intentionally, you know, uh, there was right. the, well, the funny part about, uh, some of the response to it was like, Oh, this is just a smash brothers knockoff. But with Nickelodeon character, it's like, yes, ding, exactly. Ding, ding. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we were going for. Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah it's uh heavily inspired by that because smash brothers is a fucking great game but wouldn't it be cool if there were nickelodeon characters in it like that's yeah you know that's this that's, that's the, the game point. <laughs> i mean 
uh, yeah, I, I Nickelodeon has so many iconic characters too. They're like not. I mean, nobody's Nintendo, but I mean, when you think of things like the Ninja Turtles and stuff, and yeah. I mean, there's some massively iconic um, characters that are associated with Nickelodeon. Um, that you can throw in this game that aren't going to be in Smash Brothers. So, I mean, I think it's like, uh, you know, something like Brawlhalla is cool, but it's a lot of original characters and then, like, some pretty random sort of guest characters yeah. that are cool, but they're not, like, you know. Yeah, like, they recently added the turtles to Brawlhalla. And, and when I right. saw that, I was like, oh, man, like, did we just get our thunder stolen inadvertently? No, I don't think so. But, um, but um but yeah, it, it kind of like went viral. I mean, it's, this is the first time that yeah. I've been attached to something that just like explodes like this overnight. I mean, it's been pretty neat yeah. to, I mean, like God, the discord for the game is just like absolutely blown up. Like every voice channel has people like streaming Nickelodeon cartoons and just kind of like chilling so out sick. and stuff. It's like really yeah. odd to just like watch this stuff organically happen, which is yeah pretty neat. Yeah. But Game um, mill seems surprised by it all like taken aback yeah, yeah i mean it's cool it's it's a it's a neat thing to have happen um and the yeah. crazy part was like you know we were talking about making a uh, a nick brawl like mobile game and i was like mm-hmm. well you know i could see that being really cool but in uh, the fighting game genre on mobile is you know kind of dominated by giants like you know contest champions and stuff like that and i just like don't really right. know if we'll be able to like generate enough interest for you know, to like really have a go at those kind of games. But after seeing like the response to this, I'm like, Oh shit. Like I was super wrong on that. Like this would be potentially really cool to do as a mobile game because like, you know, you could just have it like basically just be a character collector. You know, there's like so many, so many characters, so many alternate characters in the Nick universe and stuff that it could be really cool. Right. So yeah. I, uh, when you think of like, I would say SpongeBob more than any other is like, that's a damn near Mario level character, right? Yeah, like SpongeBob yeah. is worldwide popular for decades. And uh like that's that's huge. So it's pretty cool. I was really excited to see how well that was received and see yeah. all the funny um it kind of became like a, a viral sort of meme thing to um you know throw out these crazy characters to be included in the yeah, game yeah. that are like these super like niche weird characters. Um, which I think uh, that's pretty cool too, because yeah, you never know who's going to show up in it. Actually I in I like the idea. That's why I kind of like the idea of doing a more simple mobile version where it might be easier to add a ton of characters because, like, you know, doing a full three D character is a lot of work. For yeah. whereas, like, you know, if there was a, something like a smaller scope mobile game that would maybe was like you know close to WWE SuperCard or whatever, like you could have yeah. stuff like um like you know the stoop kid from hey arnold and like all these other characters that just like showed up for one episode and stuff pretty easily but i don't know i it's definitely reframed how i'm thinking about this project though so that is pretty cool yeah that's good uh i was just gonna look up i was what is it called i also have some interesting drama to report that i just stumped i just totally fell down this rabbit hole this afternoon after i uh after I got Hook my my Steam Deck order in. Okay, so are you familiar with the game War Thunder? No, I don't think so. And I only found out about this because I have a friend of mine that has like played World of Tanks for like fucking like twenty years, right? Right. So right, right. so World of Tanks is um and they've there's been a couple of mobile games of World of Tanks that have been yeah. you know decent to all right. Um, yeah. th- there's no mobile client though for the full version though, right? I'm, I'm, there still nope. isn't one. Yeah, it's okay. its own special called Blitz, right? And uh, 
that's actually now a PC game too. It was okay. so popular. So, so World of Tanks, you know, is a very extremely super duper hardcore World War II simulation MMO where, you know, you, you have a yeah. fairly, I think they're all realistic tanks or something like that. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're um, all historically accurate. You know, all that shit. Well, so if you were the kind of person that was like, this this game is too casual and these uh, tanks are bullshit, I want realistic tanks, yeah. you play the game called War Thunder. And oh, okay. so, uh, as you might imagine, a community that uh, would be attracted to that game is interesting, to put it <laughs> I can you know, nicely. So, um, there's this thread that I got tuned in on on the War Thunder forums where there's this, like, random guy that was complaining about like the, the, like how the performance of a particular tank in game. Right. Uh, and I was like, uh, it's, it's, it's super unrealistic. It's major than underpowered. Like you can guys seem to buff the game. Like I thought you were all about realism, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and the devs come back and yeah. they're basically like, Hey man, like, you know, we do stuff based off of like available technical documentation. Like everything <laughs> in this game is based on like the real stats and, and, you know, yeah. public publicly available, like engineering documents, more or less. And like yeah. this tank does not have some of that stuff available because it's so new. Um, and so this fucking maniac on the forums is like, well, here's the documentation showing it posts actual, like legitimate, like top secret classified stuff <laughs> about this tank on the war wow. thunder forums, which like causes like the admins and mods to like completely lose their shit because like, of course, after it got posted, like a bunch of people saw it and are like requoting it and like posting screenshots Ooh, from what was posted oh and everything God. else. And, and the mods yeah. are like, dude, this is a big deal. Like you can't just like post top secret stuff. Like this is going to get us like shut down, you know, like, <laughs> like get out of here with that. So yeah. like it all got, it all got deleted and everything else. And then the, the original guy, well, so the people that like uh, latched on to like the guy's complaints that this tank should be buffed. Um, yeah. You know, they're like, well, you know, I guess uh, despite the sources having been removed and rejected for legal purposes, the uh, the tank will still be fixed. You know, yeah. now that we know for certain there's something wrong in game, blah, 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 blah. And like the developers basically come back and it's like, there's no valid source material that can be used. Therefore, no change will be take place. We've made our stance very clear on this. And like the battle just wow. wages on. It's like, wow. What fun. What a fun fan base to have. <laughs> Can you, like, I just, I was just, like, so amused by the fact that this guy was like, no, you fuckers, like, it's wrong. Like, here's, here, I'm going to leak a classified document. Here's the Pentagon papers about it. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's something you can go to jail for. Like, I, I mean, I don't know for sure, I mean, but it probably. seems pretty bad to do that. But you better I guess, blow the whistle. I guess your tank simulator game is very serious business. So, it sounds very um, serious. So yeah. Uh, so I found the game I was thinking of when we were talking about the uh, Nick Brawl stuff. Uh, there was a Contest of Champions style uh, Super Brawl universe. Do you remember that? Mm, no. It's only a couple years old. Here I'll throw the uh, link in here. It's like SpongeBob and Turtles and some other Nick characters fighting game for mobile. I think I played you, it when it came out. A little how did you too, control but, it though? Did you actually control your characters or was it like a swipey no, thing? I'm pretty sure it's a swipey guy. It's swipey mm. like contest of champions. Um, mm. Okay. That actually looks very, it's way more cartoony than, uh, than the main game that you guys just showed off. But yeah. anyway, for reference, there's that one. Interesting. 
make it better than that. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is kind of like the other problem with you know problem with air quotes and making Nickelodeon games is they like they've licensed their stuff out to so many dude, people that like everywhere. It's hard yeah, to this is, stand uh, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, interesting. I'm actually going to re-download this, and <laughs> I know I yeah. played it when it came out, but I don't really remember it. Such is life in the world of mobile games. Um, anywho, let's uh, get through. I only had a handful of little news stories for this week, so it shouldn't take too long. But um, the uh, developer of Hidden Folks, Adrian De Jong, I think is how you maybe say his name, um, announced a new game in a partnership with uh, Aaron Koning, who also was one of the people that helped out on Hidden Folks. Yeah. Uh, they cool, have a cool new kid Apple. indie club uh, certified gold tier <laughs> members for sure. Certified, yeah. Um, they have a new game coming out called Word Web, and it's going to be for Apple Arcade. And uh, it looks pretty clever. It's um, kind of like uh, you. It's kind of like Scrabble, but there's a list of wor- already created words for you, right? So you have to pull the already created words out of the list and then place them on the board, and then make them all interconnect. And your job is basically to go from like the starting tile and then connect words together to make a path down to like an ending tile. And you can either do that as directly as you want, just start to finish, or you can like add as many words as you can and try and play them all and also soak up some like, you know, letter, double letter word scores or whatever. The little bonuses that are spread around the board or something like that. Um, So I I was surprised I'd never seen that concept before because it makes a lot of sense. Um, to do like a Scrabble, but the words are already planned out for you. Um, so that's kind of what it is. And then it's it's got a, several different modes that kind of use that concept in different ways. And uh, it looks pretty cool. It looks like it's going to be launching on Apple Arcade next month. Uh, if the App Store data is to believed, August 13th will be the actual day. But that's like a Tuesday. That's, that's a weird Apple Arcade launch day. I would think it would be like a Thursday or Friday. But we'll see. Um, so, you know, everyone kind of like, um, leans on hidden folks is like the, the truly clever game that, uh, Adrian made, but like, in my opinion, Bounden is, mm-hmm. is the, uh, the sleeper hit. Yeah. Um, Bounden is great. Which if you are not aware of that game, it's like, it's extremely clever in that. So the, the way it works is you have an iPhone or, you know, any other kind of device, I guess it kind of would work with an iPad, but probably better on a phone, but, um, and two people hold it. Uh, so you, you, mm-hmm. you keep the your thumb on the screen more or less and you like do like go in the direction that the screen tells you to, like move the phone, which uh, causes you to like basically do like a dance with another person. Yeah. Yeah. Which I thought was yeah, that was uh, a really cool game. Pretty neat. It's, uh, it could say mix also, of Twister and Ballet is uh, how it's yeah. pitched. Well, he also did uh, was or had a hand in uh, Fingle, which was like actual finger twister, but mm-hmm. on like a, a iPad or iPhone, which that was a really cool game, too. Um, I think his thing is like neat ideas like that, right? Like yeah. using things and things in, in ways you wouldn't expect or whatever. Um, and Bounden, I think, won a bunch of awards for that. It was like uh, I thought the it was era cool. of like PS Move people were doing like Johan Sebastian Joust and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and trying to find interesting ways to use like movement controls and stuff. I feel like it fell into that sort of same bucket stuff. But uh, anyway, word web also looks cool and um, comes out next month on Apple arcade. Check it out. Uh, 
in the Game Awards last year in December, um, Just Cause Mobile was announced with a explosive trailer, which uh, you would definitely expect from a Just Cause game. And um, nobody really knew much about it, but it was um, said to be a real deal. Takes place in the Just Cause universe, blah, blah, blah. But was going to be, you know, a free-to-play mobile game. So there's all these characters and stuff that you collect. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then in March, Square Enix did like a uh, digital presentation thingamajig where they released a new trailer for it. And all signs were pointing to that it was still going to be launching in 2021. Um, but this week they actually came out and said due to COVID, uh, their, you know, development process was delayed and stuff like that. So they're actually pushing the game back to sometime in 2022, no more specific than that. Just next year sometime, uh, kind of a bummer, but like, I don't know. It's so hard to get mad at. There's so many games have been delayed because of COVID and it's sort of like a miracle it when any games did come out during COVID, you know what I mean? Or even when there was like things to show at E3 and stuff like that, I always was just like, wow, I'm really surprised people were able to do anything at all. I feel like everything should have been shifted a year because of COVID. So um, not surprising, but kind of a bummer. I was looking forward to seeing what this was all about. I feel like uh, we're hitting sort of a weird renaissance of like big IP mobile games that aren't bad. You know what I mean? Like, whereas yeah. before it would just be like, we're going to slap this popular IP onto like a super crappy mobile game because who cares? But nowadays I feel like with Call of Duty mobile and stuff like that, um, you know, there's a good chance that this could actually be a really good game. So we'll see. But we won't know until next year because it got pushed back. Yeah. Rip. Speaking just of uh, COVID stuff, did you have you uh, been following any of this drama with Apple and remote work and all this stuff? I've seen some of it. Has and me it's, like um, mega super duper annoyed. Dude, it seems extra bad though, too, for Apple. Like, can it really be that bad that they're like forcing people to submit like their medical histories and stuff? Yeah. So basically, the extreme high level cliff notes of this is like Apple basically is like, all right, everyone, COVID's over. Come back to work or get another job. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and like 90% of people that work for the company, um, want some level of flexibility you know like maybe not necessarily like permanent work from home but definitely like yeah and and that kind of seems to be like the compromise that has happened with a lot of um a lot of businesses that have things that you know only exist in the office right it's like all right well yeah yeah you can work wherever you want however you want but you're expected to be in here for tasks that require it kind of thing you know Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. and i think that if that if that was the stance that apple had you know there would be no pushback you know if it was like Hey, you know, you can work from home, but like we do big team meetings on like Tuesday and Thursday and you're expected to be here for those. I think most yeah. people be like, Hey, yeah, cool. Great. That's sounds right. good. Um, but that's not like they're, they're taking this very heavy handed approach to the point that they're like, uh, revoking people's like actual, like legitimate disability claims to be able to work from home and demanding yeah. two years, of their medical records to like re-review those cases and, yeah, all this crazy stuff. It's just like the whole thing just blows my mind because, like, particularly proving that you have a disability and like should you know be continued to allow to have some kind of like concession for how you work because like yeah you know when you, when you get hired and are working at like Apple corporate proper not you know like some like boner tier person working part time at the Apple store or whatever like um, right. 
you know, like there's those interview processes are long. I mean, I've talked to friends of mine that I've worked there. You know, you get called back like four or five, six times mm-hmm. before, mm-hmm. you know, they decide like, okay, this is the guy for us. And as part of that, right. there's like a lot of, a lot of implicit trust that comes out of that hire. You know, it's like, Hey, we did a ton of diligence on you as a person. We feel you're the perfect person for our team. We trust you with our secrets and like the secrets that you will have access to in your role and all that stuff. And then, which like, how can all that be true? And then at the same time, have them come around and be like, but I don't know about this disability you claim to have. Like, yeah, I don't know. Like, we kind of need to see your medical records to make sure yeah. that, you know, you're not, uh, you're not faking whatever problem you have. Um, yeah. Cause I don't yeah, know. Like, I guess <clears throat> it's tough too, because we live in like a world of like, uh, I don't have to wear a mask. I have this doctor's note or yeah. whatever, or like that's a service dog. I printed this thing off the internet and put yeah. it on his vest or yeah, whatever. Yeah. So like, I, I understand the need to like, be sure that people aren't taking advantage of certain systems or whatever, but there's definitely a line that is being crossed with some of the stuff that's happening with Apple. And um, for Apple to do that, it's a really bad look, right? Like for who they portray themselves as. Oh, I know. I mean, like, so, God, dude, like I, I tweeted this earlier. I mean, like fucking think of how many keynotes they've had where they start with like, Hey, here, yeah. check out this. Like the iPhone has been absolutely transformative for this blind person. And, and like this is how much we care we about people with disabilities. He's really blind. We talked to his doctor. Yeah, he's definitely really blind. To to then yeah. be like, oh, I don't know. Uh, you know, you have these these issues that are preventing you from going to work. Like we, you know, you yeah. can't continue work from home. We need to fucking check your papers. Yeah, like that's yeah. I don't I don't like it at all. Um, I feel like the blowback will be bad on something like that too. Though. We'll see. I mean, like the the silence is deafening from the people that like only ever have amazing things to say about apple and every decision yeah, that right. apple does is good and yeah all that stuff like like those people have not come to apple's defense so that's that's how you know yeah. that you're on to something crazy so yeah. i don't know i mean what, what really just annoys me about this kind of stuff is like i just don't like the precedent that it's setting with um because like you know the covid normalizing remote work has basically allowed people with disabilities the ability to have good jobs you know because yeah, right. like like previously, like if you were extremely wheelchair bound and, you know, other other things like that, like you kind of can't really go into an office without, you know, just I mean, probably not, not realistic, you know, like depending on how bad your disability is or whatever. But like the how open everyone's been through COVID with remote work has like really empowered yeah. those people. Yeah. And it just seems like Apple's is really talking out of both sides of their mouth on this one where you know, their key marketing point is how accessible and friendly to, you know, everyone they are, no matter what your needs or background or, or whatever is. And then at the same time, be like, well, you know, we just built this $10 billion campus, you know, your ass better be in a chair here. (laughs) Yeah. I, uh, I also, all I've seen is statistics that back up that like product productivity is way up with work from home stuff. Yeah. And it's like talking with my groups of friends and stuff too. They're all like, yeah, it's freaking awesome. Like I know what I need to get done and I can get it done. And then I can know I can be there for my kid to eat lunch or whatever. You know what I mean? It's like if I'm at work all day, I get done what I need to get done. And then I act busy because if I don't, I get in trouble or whatever, you know what I mean? So it's like, 
you know, it's such a weirder dynamic that like forcing people to go into offices and then pretend to work eight full hours when they probably do their job in like four and then just waste the other four when they could be like, you know, using those extra four hours or whatever to either do more work because they can or do stuff like for their home life, which keeps them like sane, you know, which is a super important thing. And being like mentally healthy makes you more productive too. So there's like all these things that are like, dude, this work from home stuff needs to stick around. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I could see these insistence if it was like, you know, Apple was looking at stuff and was like, fuck dude, like our, we missed our date for this iOS update by six months. Like this thing's messed mm-hmm. up. That thing's messed up. Like this is a nightmare, but you know, if like if, bills at Disneyland every day, I see his Instagram, like that's not okay. Yeah. You know, whatever. yeah. Like that kind of stuff. Like, sure. But I don't I know. I think in general though, like people like are, down to just get their work done and then be happy that they have that extra time or that they're just at home and can take advantage of small things like having lunch with their family or whatever and then go back to work and that like goes a really long way so it's weird for us because we've worked from home like yeah (laughs) 10 plus years so that's just always been the way it is but and then there's downsides too where it's like sometimes you feel like work's inescapable because you're up till midnight finishing something or whatever but uh, I think for the most part, they need to just adopt it as like a normal thing. I think most companies are, and I think work from home is going to be like a normal thing going forward, but, um, Apple needs to just figure it out, yeah. like figure out where they want to. I, I think, I feel like they're putting their foot down with, it's like a three days in the office thing or something like whatever their mandate is, um, which isn't like fully back at the office full time, but it's like a good chunk of time and you have to be there type thing. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I feel like they can figure out a better way to go about it. Yeah. I I mean, like particularly with like how many employees want like the flexibility to remain. I mean, like out of Apple was unionized, there would be no discussion. It'd just be like, all right, this is the new normal because otherwise you have no workforce, you know, where. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know, whatever. Totally. Um, anyway, moving on to the last couple of things I had, uh, mobile game stories of the week. This was a cool one. So Slay the Spire came out over a year ago on uh, mobile. Uh, are you a big fan of this game? I don't remember. So I, I actually, I love it on the Switch. Like I, I played the oh, shit okay. out of it. But it's, it's one yeah. of these card games. And you know, don't, don't get me wrong. Like, um, it, it, it's really good up until you hit this point. But after you kind of like really start to get a really good understanding of the mechanics, it's like you just win every it. time because like you yeah. just kind of like know what to do. You know what to expect. Like you know what to anticipate. Yeah. Um, and, and how to kind of manage your your card hand around the right, you know, kind of limited number of possibilities that the game can throw at you. But like yeah. up until you hit that point, it's extremely fun. Hmm. Uh, I could never really get into it, but I I appreciate it for what it is. But I also thought it was one of those funny situations where uh, for like a number of years, people wanted this to come to mobile. And in the meantime, there was like a handful of, I don't want to say copycats, but people that kind of yeah. brought the same type of game out and did it really, really well and made it like for mobile. So it like natively worked really well on the touchscreen and stuff like that. Um, and then when the real deal actually came out, it was lacking a lot of those features, right? To where you're like, dude, I'd rather play Night of the Full Moon or whatever because it's like feels more like a mobile game. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Slay of the Spire port was more like, clunkier and didn't really have you know had kind of like a confusing ui and stuff like that and the text was super small all these problems where it was just sort of like still a good game you learn how to work around all that kind of stuff but also 
really? You know, we waited so long for this thing that you couldn't even like make yeah. it like a really good mobile version. That, that's that's um, bugged me a lot with the different mobile ports that we've seen over the years where it's yeah. like, you know, this has been anticipated for years. It comes out and it's like, really? Like all you did yeah. was just like get it to run on a phone? Like, yeah. Well, especially when places like Feral are doing like mobile ports right, that are like, yeah. holy shit, we Killer. redid the UI from the yeah. bottom up to be amazing or whatever. Um, so anyway... There was like one big like bug fixing update that came out right after release, and then it's been silence for Slay the Spire, and people have been hoping for an update of any kind um, ever since it came out, and it's been over a year since it's been updated, so it's just been kind of sitting there stagnant. Um, anywho, anywho, the uh, developer posted on uh, Reddit that they actually have a mobile update in the works. I think one of the problems here is that they contracted out the mobile porting to a different company. First of all, the developers of Slay the Spire is two people. So that's kind of like, you know, a small team to begin with. And so it makes sense that they would kind of find a third party to actually do the mobile stuff for them. But I think there's been issues with getting them to do stuff or maybe like production timeline issues getting in the way, which can happen when you have a third party like that. Um, whatever the case, it's taken a long time for Slay the Spire to get any sorts of updates or whatever, but uh, Mega Crit posted on Reddit that uh, there's an update basically submitted and waiting for approval. Should hopefully be out in the next couple weeks. It'll bring the game up to version 2.2, which is basically um, the biggest update that released for other versions of the game that uh, added a lot of balance fixes and stuff like that. Um, and then they also have cloud saving, which was a big thing people wanted in the mobile version, which makes sense. And um, larger text and larger images and and sort of like quality of life specific to mobile type stuff. Um, so real interested to see how this will come out. I actually redownloaded it on my phone to play around with to get like a good feel of how it is now. So I can sort of compare it to how it is when it's updated and see if it's better. Um, but also these are the sort of situations where it's like, if something's broke, is it going to take another year to get the people porting the mobile version to fix it or what? Um, cause it's not like, you know, it's a $10 mobile game, which is stupid cheap compared to anything else. But I think it was uh, 20 on the switch. I mean, it wasn't, wasn't probably, cheap. I mean, yeah. Which, you know, so, again, this goes uh, back to what we were saying with the fucking steam deck and just being able to be like, Hey, let me, let me finally play this game that everyone's talking about that I bought on summer sale for, 37 cents yeah i know um so anyway slay this fire if you've been a fan of it on ios but we're kind of disappointed in the mobile port hopefully this big update will address a lot of those issues and make it more mobile friendly and stuff like that still a good game like i said either way you can get used to sort of its quirks but there's definitely room for improvement so hopefully this update will do that and uh hopefully (coughs) it'll come out in the next couple of weeks um, we'll see. Damn, my throat's giving up on me. It's telling me it's probably time to drive this bus home. So the last thing I had for this week was just uh, point out this cool short documentary about the game Say No More. Um, Say No More launched in April, and uh, I don't know if you ended up playing this or not, but um, it's like a really silly sort of social commentary game more than like an actual game game, but it's really funny and really colorful and definitely like, kind of like really made you think about like, um, you know, people pleasing and stuff like that and kind of what we put ourselves through in order to be people pleasers and how a lot of people have a hard time actually saying no to others and then put themselves in a position 
of unhappiness because of it. And I know I've done that a million times, constantly guilty of doing this sort of thing. Um, and so the, the whole sort of message of the game is like, hey, have confidence in yourself to say no sometimes, um, which I think is actually a cool message to get out there. And then the game itself was super funny and entertaining um, and well worth playing through anyway. But so one of the people that works at the publisher for this game, Thunderful, um, is kind of their video guy. And, you know, COVID hit and it kind of like threw a bunch of wrenches in everyone's plans and, and all that stuff, you know, across the industry, but also with the development of this game. And um, so sort of like to keep himself from going nuts, he kind of just started making a documentary about the the development of this game. And it ended up coming out really, really good. And the game development itself has a really interesting arc um, in how, you know, the the two people that are the main uh, creators of this game are actual childhood friends, like going back to kindergarten. And um, one of them was in the game industry in various capacities. The other one just wasn't. But then they, through their friendship, kind of came up with this concept and decided to, like, make it sort of a game thing. And then they'd show it off at various conferences. It would get a little buzz. And then they actually had Thunderful come to them and be like, let's do this for real and make it a real game. And so it's just like a really cool and inspiring story about um, sort of like a dream project coming to life. And then um, there's sort of like a COVID hitting and sort of like some some pitfalls and some down points of it too. Um, and then the game got delayed and stuff like that. And then when it did end up launching in April, it got really good reviews and a lot of critical acclaim. And I think it was like a happy ending or whatever. And so this documentary documents all that stuff in a really cool way. And it's only about 25 minutes. It's short. So if you haven't watched it, uh, set aside a little time to check it out. Uh, whether you're a fan of the game or not, I think it's just an interesting from a game development perspective to kind of look behind the curtain, how things go and stuff too. So really interesting little documentary wanted to highlight and point out uh, to watch it if you haven't yet. And also play the game because it's actually a really fun and interesting, inspiring kind of game too. So Yeah. That's it. That's all I got for news this week. My throat's dusted. When does uh, When's your Nick Brawl come out? I want to play it. Uh, I should know that, but I don't. Damn you. Well, <laughs> uh Congrats on that doing well this week. That was a cool story too. Yeah. And um surprise hopefully we get our hopefully get our Steam Deck stuff sorted out. Um I didn't even get to talk about my Xbox debacle. I have all sorts of updates on that. I guess we'll have to wait till next week for that. Um Yeah, that's it. Did you end up returning one or do you have two? I think you should give the quick quick version because I'm curious. Quick version, eBay one came, works fine, love it to death. Uh, Walmart one that got canceled, got uncanceled without <laughs> without my consent, got shipped to me, got about an hour away, and then got returned to sender, and then just today got sent back to where it came from. Uh, the charge is still on my credit account that I opened to pay for this thing through All Access. And so I never got the second Xbox, but I also didn't send, I didn't tell them to send it back. I was like, if I get the second one, I'm just going to sell it. Like whatever yeah. they st- it's, it'll be easy to sell it. Well, you'll uh, get, you'll make your hundred bucks back. back basically that you yeah. paid extra on the eBay one. Right. Easy. So, um, so I did not end up with two Xboxes at this point. I want all that Xbox all access stuff to go away 
I want that credit account closed. I want the hit on my credit report taken off. And I sent them a whole email saying all this, kind of like the timeline of everything that happened and all the receipts I have of screenshots and emails and stuff like that. Basically being like, wipe all this from my history. I don't want to ever know that you guys existed. Yeah, I got an right. Xbox. Now I'm happy. No, go fuck off. Yeah, it'd be like the, the back to the future family photo and just vanish into. Yeah, just vanish. <laughs> so, but anyway, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about this more next week because uh, I freaking love the new Xbox. It's so good. Um, got to play Warzone uh, sometime. I know. I got to download it. I've been playing um, Dirt 5 a lot and uh, I've started playing Halo again, which is fun. Mm. So. Halo Infinite Anywho, will be really good when it comes out. What's that? Halo Infinite. There's no way that won't be good when it comes out. I know. I'm really. I want to blaze through all the campaigns again because um, it's been a long time, and then I never actually played Halo Five, even though everyone says it sucks or whatever. I still want to play them all, so I'm all caught up, and then I can be like, Halo Infinite, lay it mm-hmm. on me. I want to play that real bad. Yeah. So anyway, all right, oh, man. guys. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. And as always, we are primarily supported through our readers and our listeners and our viewers. So if you like Touch Arcade and want to see us continue to exist for the time being, please check out patreon.com forward slash touch arcade and consider throwing a little support our way. You can also help us out by doing your Amazon shopping through toucharcade.com forward slash Amazon. And uh, just hit that link first before you buy your Amazon goodies. And we'll get a little slice of that action. Also, uh, failed to get to a email that somebody sent us today, but thank you for sending an email, podcast at toucharcade.com. Um, let me actually hit this real quick because it's a question that you, I think, can have help with. Um, this is from Reader Espen who says, Greetings, my dear dynaptic duo. I like that. Longtime listener, first time writer, inner. I'm going on vacation in about a week's time. I wanted to load up on some old school Touch Arcade and RPG Reload episodes, but to my dismay, it seems all episodes from before the last few years are unavailable. Has the ap- apocalypse robbed us of your podcasting past, or will, or indeed are, the episodes be available somewhere else? Either way, keep on trucking, keep up the banter, and please bring home, bring Horn and Spiral to Game Club. Horn! Oh my god, I haven't thought about Horn in... Oh yeah. Who? Cool. Spiral actually got updated not too long ago for all the new phones and still works. So check out Spiral. But Horn, I think, is who knows. Um, anywho, thanks, Espen, for writing in. Uh, you have some special way to get old uh, podcast yeah, I'm trying episodes. Because I think like the- iTunes only shows the last 10 or something like that. So um, I know I meant to look into – I think there's a way you can change that so it shows all the old ones. But I don't know what it is. But there's uh, we use the same links every time. And so there's a way you can actually get older episodes by manipulating the dates and the link or the episode numbers or something like that. Um, so I will, I will, yeah, we can probably write him back with how to do that. Right? Yeah. Basically what you do is you just got to look at like when you post the link, you post like the direct file link and you just yeah. like increment that number to whatever you want. To whatever episode you want. Right. Yeah. Like, like it'll be like, it. no, it'll be like touch arcade show underscore like, you know, four ninety eight, and you just do yeah. that, change that to like zero zero one or to something. start in the yeah something like that. But yeah, um, so that's one way you can kind of queue up and and save some for later listening or something like that. But it would be cool. I think there's a way through iTunes and um, Stitcher and all the other services to have more than just your last ten episodes show up. I'm just not sure what it is, so yeah, I will have to look into that. But anyway, thank you for writing in to espen and podcast at tetricade.com if you also want to write in to us 
Normally, I would read that at the beginning of the show, but I forgot. So there you go. With all that out of the way, thanks again for listening to this week's episode. And we'll be back with another episode of the Touch Arcade Show next week. All right. See ya. 